Hey, Mike, where'd you get these endless summer movie tickets from? Whoa, I love those. That's from my endless summer box set. Ooh, where'd you get that from? The link is in the show notes, baby. Went down to Wyoming Bay. What a fantastic sunny day. Boys and girls hanging around. Surfers going up and down. That's when I cut my way. Knew what to do. Surfed that way right to the shore. And it's dreams come true. Hey everybody, welcome to the Quivercast. I am Mike, your host. Let's get into the show. Everybody, welcome back to today's Quivercast. We have Darshan Gooch. How are you doing, Darshan? Good, Mike. Thank you uh, for having me. Dude, I'm super stoked. So you're a Santa Cruz guy. Were you always a Santa Cruz guy? I am. Yeah, you know, um, my dad is originally from England. He came to the States in 78. My mom... You know, her grandparents lived in Santa Cruz, but her parents lived in uh, San Rafael, just north of San Fran. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. My, my parents met down in Santa Monica before I was born. They had like, you know, a little beach house at Silver Strand. So I was actually born in Ventura County. And then, you know, my parents split fairly early on, but um, my mom and dad decided to move back up here and spent my whole life here since I was about one and a half. Okay. Yeah, I read in one of the articles that says Oxnard, so I thought maybe you had a little bit of Oxnard history, but no. Yeah. Really. Yeah, you know, I my dad, uh, he surfed a lot. He was into sailing, so mom would, you know, tell me stories about him surfing and he was into martial arts and stuff and getting into fights and shit down there, but <laughs> <laughs> My dad's an easy, happy-go-lucky guy. He, he never really looks for trouble, but he's probably not going to take a bunch of BS from somebody either. Yeah, I think Oxnard, too, <laughs> is a different world today than it was back then. Right. I'm guessing. So, so I hear. I'll do respect to the Oxnard crew. Love surfing down there and great community, a lot of good surfers. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so basically your whole life has been east side. Yeah, yeah. So my dad, um, he's lived basically my whole life, uh, Pleasure Point. So I've been kind of part of this, you know, East Side Pleasure Point surf community. Um, my mom lived in Live Oak and moved to Abtos, which is kind of like more South Santa Cruz County. Yep. So yep. I kind of did the back and forth thing for some years, but, um, you know, surf stuff was always at dad's and, you know, it was always been my home. I'm still here. Luckily we okay. call it renting a dream. Obviously it's, uh, gotten harder and harder to live here with the gentrification and everything, but it's a good, good place to be. I can't really blame anyone for wanting to be here. I will touch on that subject too, because I'm, I'm sure. super interested in that and your thoughts on that. But, Absolutely. Um, did your dad surf then? He surfed with you? Um, yeah, I kind of grew up going to the beach with dad. He surfed. My dad's also, you know, he was uh, for work, a general contractor. So, okay. you know, working class folk here. And yeah, just early memories. I was always going to the beach with dad. He would, you know, leave me and, and paddle out and go ride some waves and, you know, have someone with me or checking in on me and be, you know, basically playing at the beach while dad surfed. Okay. <laughs> What's your first memory of surfing? Oh boy. First memory. Um, I remember being a young kid and uh, my dad took me to this beach on the east side. It's called Sunny Cove. It's kind of just this little 
novelty, mostly, mostly boogie board wave, you know, and there was swell. And, um, you know, I remember just like, I always loved the water as a kid, but, uh, you know, I had kind of healthy respect and for, you know, the environment and there was swell that day. And I remember just like kind of being drawn out and watching how people were getting out and there was enough energy to where, you know, I, I got a little too brave and I, you know, I, I lost my footing, my feet got swept from me and here I am, you know, tumbling underwater, not really in control of what was going on. And, you know, I think my dad was like, watch the whole thing. He's running, jumping over people on the beach and come pull me out by, you know, the back of my wetsuit or whatever. But yeah. that was kind of the, kind of the first like major, you know, like fear incident with the ocean where okay. you're like, Oh yeah. Gotta be careful and respect this. And I, I wasn't just like that. I wasn't really that fearless type of like, Oh, I'm just going no matter what. Yeah. Okay. I was kind of a little bit more timid and shy and just ease my way into it. Did that affect you at that point? You think? I think, I think it did. Yeah. I think that's kind of what I'm touching on. It, it just um, kind of grounded me in, in the reality of like, you know, having to be aware and understand, mm -hmm. you know, that we got to be paying attention to what's going on and also be accountable for our actions. Okay. Yeah. And then what's your earliest memory of like, um, actually like surfing, like, for real surfing. Yeah. You know, I, I think I did like the boogie board and skimboard thing. Right. I remember dad, like, you know, being a general contractor, he like, you know, traced some skimboard template and <laughs> made me this thing. And I think I lost so cool. it the first day, you know, and, yeah. and just being all shattered about it. We painted it blue for whatever reason. And it just never, it was a, it was a done deal before it started. Kind right. of thing. Okay. But I, I do remember like, you know, my dad somehow found like some, one of those styrofoam surfboards they used to make like back in the eighties. And he had found a couple of them on this job site. And I remember trying to go down there and like trying to ride this thing. And they were, it was just like beer cooler foam, you know, EPS, yeah, 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 just yeah, I those. no like fiberglass shell no. or resin or anything. Yeah. And then, and then when I was nine, my dad, uh, he bought me a boogie board and he's like, we're going to the beach. He's like, I got you a, a surf lesson with, uh, we had a family friend who was like a eighties professional surfer on this side of town, Marcel Soros. Okay. So he's like, I got you a lesson with Marcel and we're, we're going out to 38th. And I was like, what? Like, Whoa. you know, kind of, yeah. there was swell. Yeah. I was scared for sure, but there's no beach. You know, yeah. I'm, I mean, little, little beach, but you okay. know, it was a weekend and you know, nice sunny day. And okay. it was probably a little, little South swell. You know, when you're a kid, everything seems like, Oh, in, yeah. in my reality, much bigger than it was. And I just wasn't established in, you know, being that far off the beach or, you know, mm -hmm. reading waves of that, you know, quality. Right. And um, yeah, I wrote a couple waves. I remember like standing up and just being like equally as scared as I was like having fun and then like getting closer to the cliff. Marcel, you know, yelling at me, okay, jump off, jump off now, you know, <laughs> so I didn't like ride too far in kind of a thing. But That's funny. So, you know, still I had, I had that healthy fear of like, again, just respecting the ocean. And, uh, by the time I got to like 12, you know, obviously my community and a lot more of my friends were surfing okay. and I was kind of going out by myself too and, and figuring it out on my own. Dad was kind of more, you know, got more invested with his work career and further growing family with another wife. So 
yeah, I was kind of on my own to figure it out. And it was just pretty natural progression, really. Was your dad coming home and checking in like, hey, how was the surf? Darshan, like yeah you know and, and i remember you know times of like dad trying to paddle out and stuff but you know as I, as i got kind of into my surfing life he kind of got more invested into yeah his new family and, mm-hmm. and work responsibility and yeah. my dad's all, always had a really strong work ethic so he's really invested okay. in the, those parts of his life perfect yeah so how many other groms your age were out there with you when you started the 12 13 14 years there was a good community for sure. I mean, yeah, 12, 14, 20, yeah. you know, I think there was like, we had our, our couple little pack of, you know, half dozen, dozen kids on any given day. And, and we had like strong connection and, you know, it was a, a little different neighborhood back then. So it was like, we stuck together and, you know, if we got out of line, our elders, you know, With beat the, on us, yeah, held beatings and tormented us and they're, you know, same, you know, probably maybe you have memories of your childhood like that, where your, yeah. you know, elders in your community are kind of looking out for the kids and have their own ideas of like how to bring them up. So, okay. Um, were the older guys, the salty guy, the salty guys kind of, um, were they nice or were they kind of like semi abusive? Um, I mean, both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, mo- most of the abuse was like, was with love, but yeah, there yeah. was definitely, we had a, a really strong kind of hardcore surf scene, you know, like this was for me early nineties and, and more so, you know, in the early eighties before I came to surfing, you yeah. know, it was kind of, it was called the um, pleasure point boys. Oh, okay. They ran the neighborhood, the surf spots and, you know, it was a little, uh, quite a bit more rough and tough if I'm being honest. And yeah. But be honest, please. Absolutely. So, so I'm going to fast forward to today real quick and then we'll go backwards. Sure. Again. But absolutely. Being at Pleasure Point many times I've been there, it's kind of overrun by people that don't per se surf or, or raised as surfers, new surfers. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's probably a fair fair yeah. idea of the place. Would that have was that happening in the nineties when you were Um, no, no, not not at all. You know, I have like um it it was really tight knit, some spots more than others, but yeah. you know, like I was saying, it was like we had the neighborhood crew and they held held down the spot. And I have like early memories of like, obviously longboarding wasn't, was kind of frowned upon mm-hmm. in our social circle and, and, you know, people were getting reprimanded. People were getting assaulted. People were, you know, punching holes in people's boards. I remember seeing like a long haired guy trying to walk down the staircase with a longboard and, and one of, you know, one of the, one of the elders, I, I don't need to say names, yeah. but he had to go at the dude for no apparent reason and ended up stomping his board out on the staircase and have an altercation and, or, you know, people would lose their long boards and the crew would be up top, just like throwing rocks at the board, you know, just okay. kind of old, old neighborhood shenanigans, so to speak. Okay. Looking back at that today, so I'm laughing because I can picture yeah. it. Right. Was it funny or then? What was your thoughts? What was your um, it was more it was more kind of normal normal day scenarios. You okay. know, there was times where it got really ugly where you're like, oh shit. Like too far? that's too far for sure. Okay. Yeah. But but also, you know, it wasn't it was just different, you yeah. know. I, I I don't know how to say say better or worse. Obviously, is it morally 
correct on on a level no but you know there was an established system and and hierarchy and kind of tribal mentality where the group stuck together and you know backed each other up and and also you know educated people if they needed it and okay it, it worked now what about like an outsider that could actually surf were they okay there or was it um, still frowned upon yeah depending Dep- i think respectful. it's all like totally it's all in the approach is exactly yeah. where i was going it's like if you show up it's like whatever hawaii or anywhere yeah. waves of consequence you show up and can surf and you know, you're not like paddling to the top of the peak, you know, straight mm-hmm. off the bat, trying to take set waves, you know, your place, you show up with a smile and respect and you're humble. It's like, don't give people a reason to not like you. But I, I do think, you know, people got a hard time that weren't necessarily like looking for trouble or maybe just right. not as cognizant of how they carried themselves. Okay. Was that East side, West side thing going on then too? Yeah, it was for sure. You know, it's interesting for sure. Yeah. I think, you know, typically guys with the exception of like the most elite surfers, obviously, you know, like guys really stuck to their spot and there was kind of comfort in, in that community. And it's like, obviously if you're established in some place and know you can get great waves and have a relationship with that community in that way, that's like, it doesn't make sense to go across town and, you know, maybe be disrespected even if you could surf or, no, the guys are just sit on the bottom of the, the ladder of the totem pole, so to speak, you know? So I'm not, I'm not clear on what you're saying, but it was going on. That was your generation, correct? Yeah. And, and prior to me. Yeah. Yeah. Prior yeah to for me. sure. Okay. Yeah. But, but I'll, you know, there was also like a broader community. It's like, you know, the guys that could surf knew each other and, you okay. know, could surf together, but you know, it's like you had guys that ruled the roost and yeah. that was established order in that lineup and you know if you're not putting your time in and not established on that side of town you're going to go over there and you know people may or may not be cool but you're not going to be getting the best waves and yeah 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 yeah. but literally it's a mile away or two miles away exactly (laughs) it's 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 silly for sure i'm not going to quote richard smith though but he said sometimes you know i have to go back and listen to the interview but i what i remember him saying is uh you know he got treated when he would fly halfway around the world better than he would just going down the street yeah. sometimes. Yeah, I listened to that. That was <laughs> super accurate for sure. And I, yeah, it doesn't doesn't make sense, but at the same time, it does make sense to me. Yeah, it's it, it was interesting times for sure. It's yeah. different, but um, you know, I think with like the elite of of especially coming into my generation. Yeah, you know, like Adam Rapogel, Peter Malfley, Ratty, Barney. You know, like so many names and characters to speak on and, and talented surfers, but you know, they had their spots, but they all kind of inter intermixed. And if you want to be a good surfer, you want to be riding the best waves and yeah. pushing, they all pushed each other and, you know, they had respect for one another and okay. made it, made it work. Yeah. Did you go over to like steamers and stuff and surf? When you I were- did a little bit kind of like more, with friends or contest related. And okay. then like, yeah, contest. you know, I, I really looked up to like on our side of town, you know, Adam Rapogo, he was kind of like the king and, yep. and, um, and I admired how, you know, those boundaries didn't exist for him and, and certain guys, it was like, they were kind of above the social yes. norm and had special privileges, so to speak. So I, I really didn't want to limit myself just to my place where I live and, 
yeah. obviously you want to be surfing good waves. So all right, you got to You got to make friends and integrate with, with that broader community. <laughs> I love this subject. I'm so sorry. Okay. No. Was it hard for you to make friends on the West side? Um, no, you know, I think, uh, I, you know, without, without speaking too upfront, I, I don't, you know, I knew, I knew which guys I needed to be cautious around. Got I it. knew socially how to handle myself. Okay. I felt like I had a good, a good head on my shoulders if I could be so bold. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like all in that approach thing and, and obviously whatever. It's yep. could, right. could you could you have problems you know where you live yeah it's just all a matter of circumstance and how you're how you're acting and and dealing with those circumstances on a on a day to day basis what way would you rather surf like either steamers or pleasure point um, what's more fun for you neither honestly <laughs> I mean I, okay. I by default <laughs> you know like if if I surf by my house it's kind of out of convenience yeah. and. Um, you know, I love the lane. I don't, I don't feel like I've ever surfed out there enough to like have a relationship. That wave has a lot of character and, it's, uh, yeah, it's you know, a wonky, weird kind of hard wave. Yeah. It's, it's a really good wave, but you, you know, you got to put your time in and, um, and yeah. I feel like if at this stage in my life, if I'm jumping in the car to drive the surf, it's not to go surf with 35 people. I'm usually getting in the car to go surf better waves you know, with a couple people or maybe by myself. So, okay. um, I do have waves over there on the West side that I like to surf and not opposed to surfing the lane, but, um, yeah. And, and out front gets good too. I love surfing in my neighborhood on those days. It's just a lot of times, you know, it, it's changed a lot. And, you know, if the objective is like to go stand on a wave and, and ride the wave and have fun. And it's like the whole time, you finally get a good wave. You waited your turn and there's so many people that you can't even ride the wave. You're just like running the slalom course and getting frustrated. Like I'm yeah. over that. Yeah. I'm not, that's not really my jam. We're going to go backwards though. All right. Back, yeah. back to your teenage years. Sure. So you guys have this, this crew of guys and um, you're pretty much at that point surf near the house, right? Yeah. You know, I had a bike. Yeah. Um, there you go. Biking it. Yeah. True and, local. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, when my mom moved away, I had kind of like a, a complicated relationship with my stepmom, you know, like kind of coming into my teens. We, you know, with all due love and respect, we get along great now, but she kind of wanted her own family with my dad. My stepmom and my mom had friction. So there was, you know, a different points in time where I just, I was stuck out in South County, Santa Cruz, Aptos and like different school system. And I'd be like, as soon as I get out of school, I got to take the bus or I got to grab my skateboard or I got to jump on the bike and ride, you know, 20, 25 minutes to get to the beach, you know, before the sun gets down. And, wow. and mom, mom was working class too. So it was like, she didn't want to sit in traffic and come pick me up. I was kind of a little bit of a latchkey kid where I had to, you know, learn how to facilitate for myself. And okay. stepmom would be, you know, we'd be having problems and even though i had surf stuff at my dad she'd be locking me out and i'd have to like stash my shit at a friend's house and you know it was, it was complicated but normal per se life experience nothing, okay. nothing too traumatic but it was, it was challenging but i wanted it you know and and i wasn't afraid to work for it and mm -hmm. it was character building right yeah <laughs> aptos isn't surfable oh yeah we got like 
36 miles a beach break or something like that. Yeah, and I've like, been there where that pier's at. Or, so so it's more imagine. it's more seasonal, I would say. You okay. know, they, they get good sandbars down there, but I wasn't driving at that point in yeah. my life. And even though I had a little bit of a surf community down there as well, it was like it was harder for me to find the person with a car or it was definitely out of question to like ride the bike or, yeah, you know, they didn't let surfboards on the bus. So it was, there was little technicalities I had to navigate and learn how to deal with. You think that uh, drove you harder to want to surf? It did for sure. You know, I wanted it bad. And like, you know, when you're young, it's like you want to reach for, you know, I saw what my elders were doing. I was really inspired by the surfing that was going on and my community the the broader santa cruz community and guys were making money and you know it was the big time then right That's yeah all dude. the dogs yeah were ruined santa cruz ruled for a while yeah it was, it was very inspiring times and yeah. i wanted that you know my heart was in it and i wasn't opposed to working for it so so what did you want first and foremost i just loved surfing it, okay. it was very you know life-giving to me and um and a place for me to thrive and, and understand myself, challenge myself. And yeah, people were established in careers and there was opportunities. And I like, you know, competing with my peers, not just on a contest level, but pushing each other and like working with photographers. That was like really, really fun for me. And, and so wanted- were you... Was your goal to be a pro surfer? Or was it to get in the surf industry, like a job? Like, what was your? Yeah, goal? I think it, I think it was. Yeah, I think I was. I was pretty adamant about you know trying to establish my skills and create a career in in surfing. Did you do good in contests? Um, you know, uh, I did a lot when I was younger. Yeah, I was. I was kind of like I didn't start really early. I think I was maybe like fourteen or something. You know, I do like. USSF contest okay. and back, they had like the Christian surfers, you yeah. know, circuit back then. And I had like people going to these contests and giving me rides as a kid. So I, I kind of jumped on that and, and I had fun and some results early on. And then, you know, as I got further down that road, I just kind of like realized it wasn't really who I was mm-hmm. or, or life giving to me. You know, I didn't really have like a strong desire to win so to speak i just like got kind of burnt on it so so it was more like hanging out with the tribe than it was to like yeah it's like about about the gal the gathering and like yeah. obviously yeah it feels great if you like win an event or have a good result but right. like that wasn't always the thing and as i got older it was just i kind of learned more of that like this isn't really like for me personally, it just wasn't like an environment for me to thrive in or okay. it wasn't as fun. I just like loved being with my friends and, mm-hmm. and pushing each other. And the free surf aspect was a little bit more authentic, I think, to who I was. You were talking about like if you were a longboard, you're frowned upon at home. At yeah. Point and stuff. So you're riding a shortboard, I guess is the question. Yeah. Yeah. It was basically. 100% like, shortboard? Yeah. You know, it was three fins only. You yeah. know, we were riding these very narrow, thin, yeah. you're everybody's right here right <laughs> <laughs> yes at what point did you switch up your boards because now i'm watching you and you're riding everything and we'll get into that too yeah at what point did For you sure. say um you know i think uh or was it an accident no no not at all no i think it was life circumstance 
also changing of the times, influence, all of the above. It was um, probably, I would say my early 20s. I kind of, you know, when I was a kid, I had like, dad bought me like these 80s short boards, garage sale. And I remember having this old like Rick Noe and it was a thruster, but the center box, it had a box fin in it. Mm. And the other, the side fins were glass on. And I remember maybe like 14 or 15, I was like, oh, I want to learn you know, I see guys doing these spinners and 360s and just whatever crappy surf day. I'm like, oh, I'm going to pull the fin out of that and I'm going to learn that move. And, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, that's kind of fun. Just like doing something different. So, and whatever, there was guys doing different stuff as I got older, you know, writing different boards. I think it was just like a personal finding out who I was, what worked for me. How to expand, how to think outside of that tribal mentality and figure out who am I as an individual, what works for me, what am I into kind of thing. Was any of the other friends doing the same thing or were they still staying in that box? Yeah, I would say most everyone was in the box. You know, there was there was people kind of, we had like a couple old surfboard contests. They had like the um, Valentine's Day or, you know, St. Valentine's Day Massacre, it was called. And we'd all like um, ride boards, no leash from the 70s. So some people would have single fins and twin fins and like... That's rad. That was a really cool event that happened for a couple of years. So there was people definitely dabbling with old boards, you know, and also like Adam Rapogel, uh, Jason Collins, Rat Boy. I'd see those guys, you know, like grab an old board from the 70s at like a Howard or, you know, John Mel Freeline and just like go out there and rip on this like primitive equipment. And you're like, whoa, these guys can actually ride that thing. And like, I wonder what that's like. Okay. Yeah. There was also greater influence too. You know, locally we had uh, Jay Moriarty, mm-hmm. CJ Nelson, and and those guys were elders in my community who were taking a different route and like less kind of in, in the box, so to speak, and, and pushing their own ideas and interests and outside of kind of the social norms. Yeah. I mean, there was guys before that for sure, Terry Sims, but there was, you know, a little bit of that kind of longboard, longboard movement going on. Um, I had a, a friend, Dane Perley's, um, who grew up in Washington, but he came to the Pleasure Point area, really talented, outside-of-the-box surfer, could ride freaking the door off your house, whatever, wow. whatever it was, finless. Mm-hmm. Just no questions asked, did not give a shit, just held his own line, was curious about everything. He, sh- he shaped over at Pearson Arrow. So wow, okay. I had guys like noticing my interest or openness into writing other things, and, yeah, and they were really... Yeah, kind of like thought-provoking, giving me opportunities to, oh, what's that board like? Or, you know, yeah. go ride this, or let me make you a board, or let me give you this board. So, okay. Your mind starts expanding, right? Right. Are you going like straight longboard, or are you just riding like like a shorter? Like- I mean, well, I think actually then, it'd be I mean. silly, silly not to talk about like that whole fish thing that, you okay. know, oh, yeah, the, the, new, the new fish revolution. So yeah. that was like a, a huge component where light bulbs were going off for me, you know, okay. like that whole, you know, searching for Tom Curran, you know, the skip yeah. fry fish at Jeffries or like five, five, 19 and a quarter. Chris, that's you that's know, the movie that changed a lot, right? Chris Ward, Corey, Andy, all those guys like freaking not just riding fishes and, 
sub-average waves, but YMA shore break, yeah. you know, <laughs> crazy stuff. And you're like, whoa, what is that? What's going on? And so I, that was like a huge turning point for me. Like I got really curious about equipment. I actually somehow got a um, Hamish Graham fireball fish, like mm. one of those Tom Kern thrusters. Yeah. I had a friend, Mikey Centella, who who uh, rode for Rip Curl at the time, and he was had access to like, you know, shapers outside of the area. And I remember I got that board from him. It was probably the first legitimate fish I ever rode, and I was just like, mind exploded. Okay, why? And uh, just you know the the amount of speed you get, okay. and and you know ability to approach a wave in in different areas and, okay. and like carrying speed through yeah the lines were different you know turning turning radius you could fly over flat spots where like your narrow long chippy yeah. and thruster you like you needed a good wave to make it okay do what it wanted to do and so that was like i kind of went down that rabbit hole initially the fish thing and then it, it expanded from there were you still going back on the shortboard or would you kind of walk away from it? Oh, absolutely. No, oh, not do. at all. Okay. Yeah, no, I was I was definitely, I would say, primarily riding my shortboard still, especially when the waves were good. But, um, you know, I just started getting bored, I think, and, yeah. and more, more interested in like, you know, sometimes summers can be slow here, especially. So that's kind of like when I, I saw guys like CJ and Dane, like going out, riding longboards and like, they'll just show up smile on their face and everyone's like it was kind of more tight-lipped and less smiley and different head spaces where you know i i was noticing things outside of my established social social yeah. realms and uh and i i just got really curious and i got tired of just being frustrated because there's no waves in the summer or just okay. small waves and and struggling i wanted to i wanted to learn different dances so to speak yeah. and, and learn how to have fun like on a one foot wave or a waist high wave right. that's mushy and like it was definitely a process of cool. uh learning and yeah pursuing at what point do you totally change your surfing and, and, and you're you're getting different lines you're in your 20s yeah. or yeah so that was like early early mid 20s for okay. sure yeah and then i just the doors were just more open you know right. like i even today, it's like when the waves are good, I want to ride a, you know, a contemporary board and okay. I want to still surf with the kids and, you know, different head spaces and emotional spaces. And you, I just use equipment as like a way to get my best achieved result. Do you have problems uh, when you're switching the equipment around on your surfing? Does it take a wave or two to kind of? Um, I mean, cer certain stuff. Yeah. I <laughs> feel like um, not so much in general, but like certain realms of equipment where you have to like write it somewhat regularly or, or be familiar with it to yeah. start operating at a high level. And when did you kind of start traveling? I mean, that was, uh, I guess it was just started with contests. And then like, as I got burnt on that, you know, I was, you know, going over to Hawaii every year okay. and done some trips to Mexico, Costa Rica, El Salvador, been to Ireland a couple times to surf. Wow. Like I had Dane Purley taking me up to the northwest corner of the U.S. and showing me, you know, what his upbringing was like up there, different wow. waves. And I don't really feel like well versed. I feel very fortunate for the opportunities I have had to travel. Okay. You know, a lot of a lot of Mexico travel, mainland Baja, and yeah. But there's always so much 
more to see and just it was like not always uh i didn't really have a big bag of resources so it was kind of more right. like you're a working class server work with what you got and, yeah 100 percent. so yeah. actually let's touch on a couple of those those trips you went on though you said sure. you went to the northwest corner how was that what you thought what were your thoughts it was different you know it was much colder obviously it was a smaller kind of more more rustic surf community. I okay. feel like I got connected with the right people, you know, mm-hmm. the, the crew that could surf good up there. Dane's best friend, Brian Forkham, super good dude, very humble. And um, yeah, they have a good crew up there and, and great waves. And it's just like, I remember I went up there one year around the holidays. They had like a snowstorm and we're, there's like a foot of snow on the beach and you're surfing like, oh, this is different. You know, it's like really glo- gloves, booties, hood, you know, the whole thing. Right. I mean, you're in wetsuits year round in Santa Cruz, but that's all. Yeah. Thicker, a little thicker wetsuit. Hood. Totally. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot up there. So there's opportunities, you know, if the weather's not good, you jump in the car and you can go search and find, tap into different zones and stuff. So is this Washington or Oregon, or you don't want to say? Uh, Washington in particular, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I've driven the coast, but there's a lot of areas where you can't even see the coast. You can't even get to it. Yeah. So again, it's like just like anywhere when you travel, you it's really ideal to be tuned in with co- community and like the network up there so you can access stuff you don't know about. Or Yeah. So kind of going to these wild places like that, I consider that place a wild service. Absolutely. Zone. Yeah. Were you, were you intimidated by it, or was it – um no no i mean there was there was parts of it that were really comfortable i mean obviously the cold water we deal with that here but it was just more like so refreshing because it was like less developed surf culture and Mm -hmm. still good waves and you're like oh there's like more room to breathe and you know obviously this guy knows how to surf and you don't want to you know piss this guy off but like there's all this room over here and you know just so cool to be in different zones and making new friends and yeah that's rad different existences so to speak a couple more questions on that that are coming to mind yeah even though you're in two different i mean basically parts of the united states yeah same coast are these surfers similar to the surfers in santa cruz or southern california does that make sense could you relate uh, to different, different different i think just like more you know, surfing was less less evolved in some ways. They didn't have like a lot of shapers. You know, I I don't really know specifically their surf history of like yeah. how developed that was, but just less, more a little bit more primitive surf scene. But great, wholesome people and good uh, resources to dig into. And then you're going to the other extreme in Mexico, and the water's warm. How was it losing the yeah. latitude? Oh man, so good. Did you like it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did like it. it. I mean, there's an uh, adapting process, of course. You know, I remember just like getting used to like having so much freedom of movement in your body, right. going from like a thick wetsuit and wearing booties. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is killer being in my shorts. But like, man, I don't know how to surf without booties, you know? Yeah, just, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That, that whole process of adapting, waxing you know, her chest and. All that stomach rashes, yeah, and yeah, yeah, fun stuff. Okay, how was Ireland? Ireland's incredible. Is it yeah. similar to the Northwest at all? Um, man, I just feel like my my limited perception of Europe. Everything just feels so much older. There's so much more history. Oh, okay, and, um, yeah, that, that. the quality of waves in Ireland. 
again, I'm not really well versed in it, but just like the little pieces I got to experience is just incredible. And and the community is great too, you know, like I, Sure. It's hard hard to be an outsider. I didn't really have like that local network so much over there, but I had friends that had been before and they're like, oh, we'll go surf over here and this spot's fun when it's windy here. And so, you know, any opportunity I had to like do trips and see new places it's, and I could make it work, I, I made it work. Brad. And then Hawaii. Hawaii's yeah, just Hawaii, right? So, so eye-opening for sure. Such a, a humbling experience on so many levels even even to this day you know i've been going i think the first time i went is when i was 14 and then like probably after 18 i was going almost every year for a good little while and and i still almost go every year so it's just man it's so raw and so i just have so much respect for the established systems over there you know how how people interact and it's really encouraging to to know there's still good, you know, wholesome surf communities out there that, you know, and whatever it's, it's growing and they, they have their challenges too. And yeah, new people showing up all the time, but it's, yeah, I'm still in awe of Hawaii and, and the communities over there. Cool. Okay. So actually we talked about it earlier, the gentrification of Santa Cruz. What are your thoughts on that? Um, it's yeah, it's difficult for sure. Um, I don't, own my house you know i'm i'm married i have two kids and uh yeah we've been really fortunate with you know continual opportunities if we Mm -hmm. if you know we have to leave one of our rentals you know we've been fortunate enough to stick around and it's getting harder and harder to stick around i'd say i've seen probably 90 percent of my community disappear for varying reasons you know like life decision you know addiction you know, lack of good job. Everything's just gotten so, so expensive. We live so close to Silicon Valley and also post COVID it's been a gradual thing, but especially post COVID, you know, people have a lot more freedom to work remotely and yeah, they're relatively close and in their other existence over the hill. And it's like, this is a special place. Well, if you can afford it, wouldn't you be here? I would, but I mean, yeah. It's it's but, it's something. I mean, everywhere is kind of like by the coast now. Everyone wants yeah, to move by the beach, so for sure. Has that changed the lineups there? Oh, dramatically, yeah. Good, it's, bad. It's hard. Um, I think you touched you know, on it already. Good, but. good, good, and bad for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a. I'm so blessed to like be able to raise my kids here. It's gotten a lot like you know more friendly in general. I mean, I still think there's little hues of like that old neighborhood community okay. here still but it's it's pretty pretty overrun for sure i mean okay. it, it, this i don't know i don't want to i don't want to get on a downer just nope. focusing okay, on, on the negative no no yeah. it's all good i just I'm remember just going being, back to santa cruz like just visiting yeah. once in, like once a year in the 80s or something you can yeah. fly across town now it's like a right. traffic jam it is it is for sure i know you and you and richard talked a bit about this so yeah it's like there, there's good things. There's bad things for sure. I think it, it's the thing I, I struggle with is like, you know, investing my whole life here, you know, the way that I grew up surfing with honor and respect. Granted, it's, it's not, yeah. it's there's, it comes with its own challenges. There's, there's just not that established system. You know, the neighborhood does not run the surf community and we're dealing 
with, you know, a mass influx of, yeah. of newer surfers. And, and we're also in a time where everyone's like, so, you know, wants to be politically correct, which I, yeah. I think is a great thing. But um, now it's like, just to educate someone and have a productive conversation, you know, there's so much over entitlement and lack of awareness and common mm-hmm. sense. It's like, as soon as somebody opens their mouth, yeah. even out of like, the, for the sake of like just keeping people safe or educating someone, it's like they're yes. automatically you're the asshole. Yes, you know? yes, yes. And and then you have like you're outnumbered, so you have all these people that know yes. nothing about surfing <laughs> trying to call you out for educating somebody. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that yeah, is a it's complicated. Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, that's good. We, I hope people listen to this maybe that don't surf that much or something would understand that you're just trying to help them or we're just. Give them right, advice. And, and, and every day is different. You know, sometimes yeah. you have the capacity to say, "Look, like I have no intention of being mean to you, but like this is something that happened. We need to address it." And I'm willing to be considered an asshole for talking to you about this and reprimanding you for bad behavior instead of letting the same thing happen again and maybe somebody have to go to the hospital because we just had an accident because right. something wasn't addressed that could have been fixed there. Yeah. So you got a couple so, younger kids. They're not young, but they're they're younger. Are they surfing? Yeah, yeah. My son Jaya surfs. He's twelve. Yeah. My daughter really loves the water. She um, is strong willed. So I you know, we've surfed before together. Um, okay. She likes to boogie board. You know, she's kind of getting into that age yeah. group with her friends, where they're kind of getting more interested in surfing. But um, I just never push. And uh, okay. I want to allow them space to be who they are. I don't want to really kind of, I'm happy to facilitate for their needs and let them try everything. And I'm just not trying to shape that for them, you know? Yeah. And your wife surfs too? She does. Yeah. Like totally. Like was she surfing before you met her or did you you get her into She was. Yeah. She started a little later. She started, I think in her teens, 16, 18 or so. Yeah. So she surfs. Yeah regularly almost every day for sure she she likes to ride a longboard but she'll ride you know single fins mid lengths she's a little bit more particular about the waves that she likes to ride and operate in and so i've I've met a few couples that surf and there's not a lot but there are a few Uh out there yeah so you guys pull up to the beach or whatever beach you on a trip or whatever yeah do you guys like the same kind of waves or do we does one have to give and take yeah, it's it's a little bit of both. Like okay. I, I like you know, I love riding longboards. If, yeah. if you know we're at whatever, we could just say Malibu or yeah. or you know, we, we even bring longboards to Hawaii and surf chuns or go to town if the yeah. waves are small. And my heart is more leans towards the good wave aspect mm-hmm. and like so, you know, it kind of works out when the waves are really pumping and there's not a lot of you know organized playful waves for mom to surf she'll she'll still paddle out you know in in sizable waves but she's kind of more particular so like you know we just facilitate for each other she knows if i'm trying to go search and surf the spots i like to away from home she makes space for me and i come back and say hey you want to surf you want to go to the gym you want to go to yoga like how can i facilitate for you and it's just a it's a give and take thing but it's all fun at the end of the day you guys both got mostly. Got yeah, I mean, sometimes dad surfs too much, you know, if we're being <laughs> being real about it, or you know, and, and other times I'm like, oh no, I don't really want to surf. You can go, 
you know, go enjoy it. And we, we just try and cool. keep that balance going. And, th- and then it's also really special when we all get to surf together. Yeah. I that's, bet. Um, so we try and, you know, as the kids get older too, it, that's happening more and more. Which Does is mom such a over gift. surf sometimes? She's, um, she's out an know, extra I've, hour. I've been so I've been so selfish in my life okay. and, and surf focused. Like it, most of the time, it, it really doesn't bother me. Like she can surf okay. as long as she wants, and That's I right. just I genuinely want that result for her. You know, if she's feeling it. If she's frustrated and doesn't want to surf, we go hike. You know, go in the forest or do other stuff. You know, there's so yeah. much to do. Oh yeah, Santa Cruz is loaded. What about the kids and the groms of Santa Cruz nowadays? Is there a full grom pack? Yeah, yeah, cool. no, there it's it's great. There's definitely a movement. There it's changed a lot. You know, there's a lot more um just for being blunt and being funny about it. There's like not the soccer mom thing, but like the surf dad coach thing, you know. The kids have like everything they could ever ask for. They got the custom, you know, quiver and you know, the resources and dad's got the fancy van and he's paying for the surf coach and mom's videoing. And there's a little bit more of that, which is cool. Like I, I didn't have that. So part of me is like, man, these kids got it so good. A little envious um, maybe? Definitely envious. I'm stoked for them genuinely too. You know, yeah. like to have that much support. I, it's just a, you know, I, who knows, maybe things will change. I just, I think like, it's a little interesting to see maybe how overinvested people are too. And like thinking like, mm, yeah. Oh, your, your kid's going to be a pro surfer too. Oh, cool. Yeah. Good, oh, good luck. Well, let's talk about and, that. Yeah. And may, maybe they can be, that's great. Like give, give them everything you can to get them there. I hope that's a reality for them. So let me ask you this and maybe you don't even have the answer to this, but um, sure. do you watch pro surfing today? I do. Yeah. I, I'll watch some of the events, especially if the waves are good. It, it's more interesting to me. Yep. Yeah. I think most of us, but okay. But basically the pro servers are making a lot of money, the top guys, but there's yeah. a lot of guys out there sponsor list. It, it's not like in right. the eighties and nineties where everyone had a sticker yeah. on the board. Yeah. So yeah, I saw that change for sure. Like as I got to a ripe age where like, you know, my skill set was coming into a place of like, you know, being more marketable and having more opportunities that system kind of shifted. Like a lot of those guys that had established careers, they were older, but it seems like that money was restructured into the contest specifically. There was Mm -hmm. less of like that local pro thing, which was really prevalent and, and being exploited. And like, there was, I'm so stoked for those guys. They deserved it. They dedicated their life and their heart and everything into it. And they got, not just recognition, but they got, you know, paychecks and cars and some of them were smart and got houses. And yeah. that template for sure has shifted as you're talking about. Yeah. So you got all these guys with sprinter vans that the, their son or daughter is the next big thing, but that pie's gotten smaller. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's crazy. I don't know how, how maybe just getting older and seeing, you know, behind the curtain a little more it's like i don't know how realistic that is but but again who knows who knows where it's going it could change okay so talking about back to today so you're going up and down the coast surfing is it wide open down there still and up there yeah i mean it's it's certain spots more than others for sure yeah i've kind of like learned from my elders you know like 
took me to spots and there's kind of codes of conduct, even though, you know, sure there's arguments. Do we shoot photos here? Do we, you know, create content that, you know, reflects these areas on, you know, different levels or another, you try and operate with integrity and, and not like whatever. Yeah. The, the stuff get exploited. Absolutely. But, uh, that's not the intention, you know, you try right. to do it with utmost respect and dignity to protect your spot. And you're not, you know, projecting it in a way where you're giving everything away. So yeah, it's, there's still places that are wide open. Yeah. So yeah. you've gotten a lot of photos and a lot of uh, little, like, like short films and stuff about yourself. Yeah. Just ed- editorial and stuff. I think for yeah. me, like my, my path with surfing is I realized, you know, like I really, enjoy surfing as self-expression and i have you know a lot of good friends that are really talented at in their photography or yeah. video stuff and that was kind of more my route and and what appealed to me you know from my elders and elite santa cruz folk that like oh you don't have to do the contest like mm-hmm. you could there's different approaches and ways to make this marketable so and a lot of the, the different short films you're writing totally different equipment like you're right yeah yeah more so yeah it's more more wide open these days for sure as i get older it's like i i want to keep learning and i want to enjoy surfing like my inspiration you know is like that 70 and 80 year old guy who like still shows up to that to the beach with a sparkle in his eye and you know it's just like the simpleness of i want to ride waves i want to be here this is still my community and it's not just like Oh, you know, I don't get paid to surf anymore. So I'm, you know, maybe I need to go pound nails, but you know, I just, whatever surfing, you know, surfing, you love still. it's, I, yeah, I love surfing too much to want to let that go. So for me, it's like, I am always reinvesting my heart and exploring like where I get that result. And that's like learning new things and old and new and, um, working with board builders that I respect and admire and being curious. So I'm going to pick your brain on learning something new, like just how boards work differently. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Um, like for instance, you know, I just got, got burnt out on the contemporary shortboard. You know, I started having like a lot of fun on twin fins, you know, kind of like mid thirties. And I was like, started working with stretch on, you know, different designs and testing stuff for him. And I was like, we started tinkering with twin fins and then I was like, Oh, this thing's super fun. And then I was like, Oh, like this thing really works in good waves too. It's not just like an average or sub average, Mm -hmm. you know, daily driver. And then we kind of went down this rabbit hole. It was like, okay, I want to make twin fins for good waves. Let's explore this. And, and that was like, you know, stretch before his windsurfing accident, he really loved twin fins. So I think that hit a heartstring and we, you know, develop this relationship where we were just like down the rabbit hole. So all, all my <laughs> contemporary equipment, so to speak, is yeah. I'd say primarily twin fins, no, no trailer, just like, you know, exploring outlines and combinations of like how to get a result with two fins instead of needing that third fin. On the twin fin setup, what's your like, how big are your fins? Are you getting the glass in or are you doing? Um, we're doing future, you know, uh, stretch. Future? Okay. Yeah. I mean, sometimes some glass ons, not, not so much from stretch, but he's like really advanced in his construction technologies okay. and, and materials he uses. So we don't ever like, obviously you load up 
a bigger fin being a twin fin a lot more and sometimes people blow the boxes out but i've never yeah. had that issue with his stuff yeah um, that's kind of yeah bad. so so yeah i mean depending on the design again i'm like all over the place not just really i get bored easy so i think surfboards <laughs> are just a way for me to like not Express just learn yourself? but yeah stay excited and okay. and like adapt to it's like that antidote for uh just being inspired like i just want to keep it all moving and okay yeah so twin fin versus like the keel like the keel twin fins what's the difference for you um yeah i mean i i like the the twin keel fins like primarily like in you know they typically have even though they're a shorter board they have a straighter outline so i like you know i think it's a common misperception that those boards work in just average waves but i i really find they work better in good waves because they're they do a longer more gradual pronounced Mm -hmm. turn you know with a straighter outline and and the longer fin it's like you need that open face to complete the turn but like to surf a fish properly and have you know be using your rails and connecting everything and taking all the spaz and pumping and fast twitch stuff out of it is like that's a beautiful art form to me um but then obviously, yeah, it's like you, you got the other, the other twin fins for, for waves of consequence or round, round waves where they, you know, you don't have to worry about the wide tail sliding out You mm, yeah. have freedom to adjust your line in tight parts of the barrel where like, you know, a third, third fin might be like you're stuck in your line and you're getting stuck on the foam ball and you can make subtle adjustments to make it work. When you're working on, on a short film or you have, let's just say have a photographer or a videographer with you. Yeah. Does your surfing change? Um, I think it does. Yeah. You know, it's like, obviously you're, you're trying to, uh, you're trying to make something. So you want to give someone your, your best opportunity, you know, whether depending what the, what the objective is, you want to mm-hmm. be riding good waves and you want to be surfing your best. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes that takes the right day. Sometimes it takes the right headspace, but it's, it, yeah. Is it, is it, Sometimes I'll, I'll just think too much about like, Mm. Oh, or just get too attached to like wanting everything to be perfect Mm -hmm. as opposed to when there's not a camera there. It's like maybe there's just less attachment and more like dropping into the space of what is actually going on as opposed to like, Oh, like I need to ride this wave like this to create a result for somebody. Yes. (laughs) Does surfing ever turn into a job? for you when you're doing that kind of stuff or is it all surfing is just surfing and you love it kind of thing yeah regardless yeah i mean does that make sense um, the question no i i really kind of have an aversion even in my in my older life to like professional surfing because i love surfing so much it's like it's always been from the heart granted it's like 100 when you get paid to surf you have obligations and less control yeah. and freedom to do all the things you want to do but um you just find a way to yeah try and combine them both but you, obviously it's a job you're accountable for whatever your job responsibilities are creating for me it was you know creating editorial content and and yes promoting the brands yeah lately how's santa cruz been yeah it's been it's wave been good wise. Yeah. um wave wise i feel like you know we've had one or two decently substantial swells we haven't had like it hasn't really turned on but we've had consistent waves yeah 
I'm so grateful for the season change. Autumn is like my favorite time of year because we still have Southern Hemisphere swells and we're getting swells from the Northern Hemisphere as well. So that it's it really opens everything up and starts breaking up the crowds. And, you know, obviously the weather and conditions are incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So actually I have one quote from you, which sure I thought about it. I'm still thinking about. Yeah. It <laughs> says, are you consuming shit and keeping the bills paid? Yeah. Like, what does that mean? Like, uh, I uh, guess human race, right? Is that what it's? Yeah. I think like, what, what is your life perspective? Kind yeah. Of thing? What, what, what means something to you? Okay. Are you, are you in tune with the subtleties of life? Like what, what makes you excited to be here? Or is it just like, are you just punching that clock and keeping your bills paid? What brings you joy? Yeah. What, uh, what is a significant, you know, worthwhile existence to you? And do you think servers have a different perspective on life than, than, the most, most of the population of the world? Um, yeah, I mean, surfers are, are broad and far, you know, I, I'll, I'll try not to speak so black and white, but yeah, okay. I, I think, you know, the people that have invested their lives into surfing, it's like they, a lot of them seem to have a connection with the natural world or, mm, yep. You're getting back you know, to nature. spirit, spirituality or, or, you know, something greater than their own ego, okay. you know, or just, you know, something, something deeper than just, uh, eight to five going back and drinking beers in the garage. Yeah. Hey, if that works for you, no, no judgment. Yeah. I'm not trying to make anyone uncomfortable about their, their lifestyle their, choices, yeah, but true. I'm just saying for me specifically, like, you know, I, I want balance and equilibrium. I want meaning. And like, I want to be curious about things outside of just like my own selfish ego, you know? Yeah. I'm actually, or, so I usually don't throw in what I think, but Sure. Sometimes I see people and I'm like, I'm so happy. I, I mean, even if I suck at surfing that day and I didn't get a good wave. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I'm just lucky enough. Like they're missing life and I, I, and I got to live it for that hour. Yeah. You know? No, it's a beautiful thing. I think uh, obviously everyone's relationship with surfing is different, but yeah. um, man, we're so fortunate just to, right. you know, think of the people that haven't even seen the ocean in their life. That's you know, true. think your, your whole life, you know, surfing, it's like, think of all the moments of joy you've spent with your loved ones or, you know, watched a sunrise or, you know, been in touch with something greater than yourself that means something to you. You keep showing up and doing it and, um, you know, it's giving you, it's enriching your existence here. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about, I don't know why I'm talking about me most, but please the sunset was rad last night, right? So I surfed. And I was in a good mood. I just I got a couple of fun waves. And um, all these people were pulling over, taking pictures of the sunset. And I, and I did too. I took a couple of pictures. Rad. But I'm thinking, like, I see, I've see, i seen thousands and thousands of sunsets. And a lot of these people, are, I hear them on the beach, like, you know, they see two a year. Yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> I just don't understand. But I think we're lucky that we serve. I I agree. I think we're we're blessed beyond measure, you know, just to, just to be here and um, be able to perceive things other than just like what's going on in our email or, or our yes. phone or, you know, what, what we want to eat for dinner or, yeah. um, you know, our obligations to, you know, survive. It's. And you said, uh, spirituality is surfing spiritual for you. 
Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think for me, it's kind of like communion with, you know, the natural world, communion with um, spirit being, you know, the creation of all things and yeah, opportunity to connect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I want to talk to you real quickly about your, uh, your last name or, well, your, your name in general. The sure. Okay. What a name, where does, the, where does that come from? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a funny name for sure. I, I got it's a rad name. A bunch, you know. Every everyone called me Gooch as a kid. That was just like easier. Yep. Um, it's a it's a family name. My my dad being from England, it's it's his family's name. Yeah. And then uh, Darshan is probably equally as unusual for us here in the United States. Um, it was a given name by my mom's uh, spiritual teacher, who was Swami Muktananda. He was a yogi who came from india and shared you know um siddha yoga and and philosophy and spirituality with western culture and had ashrams and um and a following and yeah it's just super odd strange strange name but i don't know any different i've been no, i've been don't. called much worse yeah <laughs> <laughs> But that name is just it's it's yeah it is totally different. But you're not the yeah. only Darshan out there. Yeah, I think it's more popular in India, and, and Darshan is like it has different meanings. But um, okay, it it's like a blessing of lasting value. It's like um, rad. Yeah, a blessing from a spiritual teacher to to a, his uh, student, student with lasting value. Wow. Well, Darshan, it was super fun. Thank you, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. It was cool to sit here with you and have a this strange virtual conversation. And I hope I hope I get to shake your hand one of these days or hug yeah. out with you right away of whatever. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I love pleasure point to be honest with you. <laughs> I Come love by some, anytime. What's a sewer pipes or whatever. Sewer peak. Yeah. Your sewer peak. It's kind of a fun wave. Yeah. Come surf. Be stoked to ride some waves with you. Yeah. So right anyhow, on, everybody, this is Mike and Darshan Gooch and we're out of here. Thank you. Thank you. What a fantastic sunny day. Boys and girls hanging round, surfers going up and down. That's when I cut my wave, knew what to do. Surf that wave right to the shore, and it's dreams come true. Sunny day, boys and girls hanging around, surfers going up and down. When I caught my way, knew what to do. Surf that way right to the shore. Yes, my dream came true. Hey guys. Endless Summer Box Set. This thing is legit. It's authentic. Numbered certificate in it. It has a five-frame film strip. From the original print, you will literally own a piece of history. It has a specially minted bronze medallion.
Dude, that thing's sick. Okay, there's so much more here. Go to the show notes. There's a link on there. Go check this piece of history out. This thing's rad. Seriously. Smithsonian American History Museum has it. It took four years of research with 3.5 in production. All hand assembled. This thing's rad. So much to this awesome box set. Remastered DVD. Sharper images than the original film. But dude, this thing's so sick. Link in the show notes.